In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we hear the story of the paralytic who is laying by the pool, waiting for so many years to be healed. He was crippled. And like us, who have so many spiritual cripplings as well as physical cripplings. One major affliction that we each have that I would like to talk about today is the affliction of having conflict and division with our fellow human beings. We have conflict and division when we should have unity. But before I talk about that, allow me just a little bit of rambling here for a second. You see, on Friday, it was my birthday, and I would never announce that except that it was already announced, so much of the parish found out. And I turned 41. 41 is not much of a year. It's not a milestone like last year's the big decade, just 41. And then I remembered that the last time that I went to FD. FDF was their 41st anniversary. Now, FDF is a folk dance festival. When I was a priest in Las Vegas, I would go with the kids each year to the folk dance festival. And they had their 41st year the last time that I went. And they had a slogan for that year, and the slogan was, all for one, which I thought was pretty catchy. Get it, four, one, all for one. But it made me then think about the Three Musketeers, which of course is where we know the phrase, all for one and one for all. Do you remember the rest of the phrase? United we stand, divided we fall. So is the three musketeers, Alexandre Dumas. All for one, one for all. United we stand, divided we fall. And so I'm talking today about unity and division. The struggle between unity and division is at the core of our spiritual lives. Two weeks ago, I talked about having peace within ourselves. Well, unity is having peace with those around us and with God. And conversely, division is having the opposite of unity, having discord between us and the people around us and with God. And this division is a lack of peace. It's at the core of our spiritual lives because all around us we have the opportunity to move towards unity or to move towards division. All the way back to Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they divided themselves away from God. And since that time, humans have been causing division in various forms in horrible ways and in minor ways and little drips over years of a relationship or in great tragedies. Division again and again and again. You see, in life, we only have the two choices, unity or division. This is everything that we do in our lives, is towards unity or towards division. And if that choice weren't clear enough, we recall that name of the one, the devil, is diavolos, which means the divider. He is the one who is sowing the seeds of division and all the way back to the serpents in the garden, sowing division and discord and conflict all around us. And we become participants with him. 
when we choose division instead of unity. St. Paul talked about divisions when he wrote to the Corinthian church. He talked about how there were these different factions within the church. Some said, I am of Paul. Others said, I am of Apollos. Others said, I am of Cephas. And he was lamenting this and telling them that it is all one. They're all united in Christ. It's notable that he wasn't even talking about heresy. He was talking about people within the same church having division amongst themselves. Not even theological division, but they made it into that because they wanted to have their ego and their way. So they had to say, no, I'm right and you're wrong. Simply the fact of division is evil. This is the point that St. Paul makes. Also, when he writes to Titus, he says, beware of a divisive man. Beware. He doesn't say a divisive man who's causing heresy, a divisive man who's theologically incorrect. Just beware of, divis of a divisive man. Because in choosing division, we partner with the divider, who is himself the one that is seeking to cause division between all of us. And once again, that phrase, all for one, one for all, united we stand, divided we fall. Because division is not simply about having differences or even having the difference of sin, one person sinning and one person not. That's not what division about. Division is a withholding of love. And that's the difference. You see, we do have differences between us. We even, some of us are sinning, some of us are not, and other times the other is not sinning and the other is. This causes all kinds of discord between us. But do we withdraw love in those situations? Do we withhold love? Do we push the other person away out of some sense of righteousness? That's what division is. So it's not simply that there are differences between people, but that the love has been made absent from the situation. If we see instead that every single human being is our fellow musketeer, every other human being is with us and we're united together because we only have one who is our true enemy. And this is at the heart of it, is that we see others as our enemy. That other person is the one that is causing the problem. That other person is sinning. And so instead of being united with that other person, seeing our one true enemy, we say that person is my enemy. That person is the one that I no longer love. So this all begs the question of how do we have unity with a person who is doing something different from us? Or to put it more bluntly, someone who's sinning. Maybe someone who is blatantly sinning. How do we still have unity with them? Because it doesn't mean that we go and join them in their sin. It's quite the opposite. We draw near to them in love. We don't withhold our love at all from the other person. And yet recognizing that what they're doing is wrong. Whether we recognize that within ourselves or we try to help them along the way. We think of how we raise our children. When a child does something wrong, we go and say, oh, you rotten child, you do a horrible thing. I can't believe that you did that. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Rather, we say, come here. Let me tell you about this. And yes, there may be a punishment, but if all of this is done in love, then unity is maintained even in the face of sin. And so the evil one 
is despoiled. The evil one has no hold upon the situation. Even though he caused sin to exist in the situation, that sin is healed by the unity. Now, with our fellow adult human beings, it's not as simple as we go and tell them what they did wrong and give them a punishment. Rather, we have to live with their sin, bear with them, bearing one another's burdens. This is what we do out of the labor of love that is moving towards unity rather than division. You see, being right, even morally right, can become an excuse for division. That's what St. Paul was talking about in his epistle. And this is our danger. That because we're right, because we're morally right, theologically, spiritually right, that gives us carte blanche to then go and cause division, to withhold love, to say, no, no longer, I can't bear this anymore, I'm done with you. And this is a great tragedy, because this is what the evil one wants. He desires that we see division, and we cause more division. Rather than seeing the division caused by sin, and healing that, seeking to heal that with the other person. And of course, our minds always rush to those situations of saints where, you know, St. Nicholas, he went and slapped the face of the heretic Arius. And Jesus went into the temple, and he turned over all the tables. And we use all of those examples to excuse ourselves so that we can then be righteously indignant. We then can feel justified by our actions and our withholding of love. But I tell you, if St. Nicholas was a saint, if our Lord is who he is, those actions are done with love, with love. It's an anguished kind of love. It's a love that is so deeply pained by the other person, and yet pained not by the other person, rather, but by their sin. And still the love of the person remains. We cannot let our own feelings of being right, or even just simply being right, we may be in the moral right, we can't let that be an excuse for division and rancor, causing more conflict between us and others. Because even though the Three Musketeers is hardly a theological tome, that saying has great theological depth. We must be united, all for one, everyone together. Because if we are not united, then we fall. Then we fall into division. And all of this brings us back to the story of the paralytic. There he is crippled by the fool's side, waiting to be healed desiring to be healed, but he's crippled. He's unable to move himself. And our Lord says to him, those are the most obvious words, do you want to be healed? This question is always poignant for us because it's a question that our Lord asks us each and every day. We are confronted with sin. We're confronted with conflict. We're confronted with people who want to divide. And we have the choice. Do we want to continue in that? Do we want to continue being crippled and weakened spiritually, feeling smug, perhaps, that we're right, and so that's what matters most? Or do we desire to be healed? Do you want to be healed, our Lord asks us. Do you want to be healed? 
So I pray that we may all strive towards unity in all situations, everywhere, at all times. Doesn't mean agreement on all things. It simply means everything is covered in love. Because ultimately, this is the example of Christ. His atonement, that word, is at one meant. That's what it means. Everything is at one. Everything is unified. All human beings are unified and are brought into oneness with God through Christ's saving action. Let us be participants in that rather than detractors from